the Dancepreneuring Studio, Session 37, Dance in a Box. Hi there, and welcome to another session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. I'm so thrilled that you are with me today. My name is Annette Bone, and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. Every other week, and this happens to be one of those weeks again, where I get the privilege of bringing you another creative mind who is connected to the art of dance, and she will share her story, some great ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and business forward. Coming up in our Step to Success segment, how one word can lead to many ideas. In our Dancer's Dialect segment, ballet can be unconventional. In our Freestyle Flow segment, Catholic School Creations. And in our feature presentation, Dance in a Box. Hi, this is Trisha Gomez, founder of Dance in a Box and RhythmWorks Integrative Dance, and you're listening to another session of Dancepreneuring Studio with Annette Bone. It's profitable to be skillful and wise. Welcome to this week's Step to Success. A step to your success is anything that moves your life and business forward. Whether it's an app, a book, or an idea, you can apply something today that will help you succeed. Portance Content Idea Generator, which I've linked in the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 037, is a free tool where you can put a word that you're thinking of for a title, like if you're blogging or you need a title to get you started on something, you put a word in and what it does, it generates possible titles for you that are kind of catchy and fun and funny. And then if you don't like the title, you just have to press the arrow button next to it and then it'll generate another title. So for example, I put in the word dancer and these are some of the titles that were generated. 19 insane but true things about dancers. How dancers made me a better person. What Wikipedia can't tell you about dancers. 19 myths uncovered about dancers. When dancers send you running for cover. So you can see the kind of titles it comes up with and I'm sure you'll find something that you like. Whether you like the titles or not that they come up with, it'll get you started on creating titles or giving you other ideas. So go check it out and get some new creativity going. And now, Life and Business Connect with the Dancer's Dialect. The word for today in the Dancer's Dialect is actually not a word, but a name. And that name is George Balanchine. Now, if you don't know who George Balanchine is, he is considered one of the 20th century's most prolific choreographers. And he was definitely a choreographer out of the box. And I say that because what he did is he took the classical training that he had from the Imperial Ballet School, and he fused his own elements and his own style into it. And I've linked some information from Wikipedia in the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 037. And what he liked to do is that um, he liked to have his dancers move very, very quickly. So there was more speed and and an athletic quality to his choreography. He used a lot of lines and unconventional asymmetrical placement of the arms and hands. And if you look at classical ballets, it is very placed and very proper. And he did more than that. He went way out of the box and 
And um, for example, with uh, pirouettes, which are the turn, you know, the, you, the turns that you see dancers do in his choreography, he had turns coming from a lunge position where one leg is bent and one leg is straight, as opposed to in classical ballet, where there is a conventional bending of both legs, which is called a plie. And so stuff like that, he just manipulated what he already knew and created his own method. And there was a lot of focus on musicality. And so his works are very interesting. I've also linked a video from the School of American Ballet in the show notes as well. And Peter Martins, who is the artistic director of the School of American Ballet, he talks about Balanchine and his works and different things. It's a really great short video to watch. I would highly recommend that you check it out. And so thinking outside the box and with creativity, there's so much you can do to make things your own and to just push the boundaries. And that's what I love about dance and I love about the arts is that there's just endless possibilities of where you can go. Here are some quotes from George Balanchine. I don't want people who want to dance. I want people who have to dance. We must first realize that dancing is an absolutely independent art, not merely a secondary accompanying one. I believe that it is one of the great arts. The important thing in ballet is the movement itself. A ballet may contain a story, but the visual spectacle is the essential element. The choreographer and the dancer must remember that they reach the audience through the eye. It's the illusion created which convinces the audience, much as it is with the work of a magician. And lastly, dancers are instruments like a piano a choreographer plays. And now, anything goes with Freestyle Flow. What's on your mind today, Annette? A very vivid memory came to mind as I was doing a spontaneous craft project with my son a few days ago. I was in the seventh grade, and this brought me back to my Catholic school days in the seventh grade <laughs> when I was living on a small island called Guam. It's a U.S. territory. If you are not familiar with it or haven't been there, think a mini Hawaii, but much more humid. It's pretty hot because it's close to the equator. When my dad retired from the army, we were living in Hawaii at the time, and then he decided that he would retire and then move to Guam since most of his family was there, and he would be helping my grandparents run their business. And so my dad's side of the family is actually from another tiny island. It's very close to Guam. It's called Rhoda, and it's part of the chain of islands called the Mariana Islands. It's um, Most people don't know what it is or where it is, but... It's funny coming from a small island, though, because even though it's a U.S. territory and English is a common language, I would often get asked when I moved to California, I was asked, oh, do you know what paved roads are or do you know what a movie theater is? And did I have cable TV when I lived there? And oh, my goodness, you speak English so well. <laughs> but the funny thing is, on a side note, English is not my first language. Korean is. So anyway... This vivid memory that comes to mind, it was sometime in February in the seventh grade, close to Valentine's Day, and I was sitting at a desk, an, a creaky old wooden desk with one of those, de with those like oddly shaped writing areas on top, and it was old and like, it wasn't even even, so like the ridges were showing and you couldn't even have a flat surface to write on, and it, it, the space was so small that I don't think it could even accommodate an iPad, I don't know, or an iPad mini, it was just really small. And so at the time, I was assigned to make cut out hearts of this cheap 
red and pink construction paper, and I had to write every student's name on each of the hearts and then staple the hearts on the class bulletin board. I don't know if you remember in school where every holiday and special day, whatever, you had the teacher or the class make things and put them up. So this was one of the things I did, and it was another humid day there. And I remember how I was sweating. The beads of sweat were running down my forehead. My white uniform shirt, mind you, again, it's a Catholic school, so we had uniforms. And my shirt was soaked. My brown and white checkered skirt, which actually looked like a cheap picnic cloth. It really did. Um, I wish I had a picture of it, and then I, I would put it on the show notes, but I don't. <laughs> so anyway, my skirt was stuck to my legs sitting there because there was no air conditioning in the classroom. But the thing is, I was really into learning calligraphy at the time, so I endured all that so I could get the the hearts done. And I still remember how the pen felt and and my little calligraphy set. And I was all into that kind of stuff. And for me, there was something gratifying about completing a project. So I felt it was worth it to go through all that. And I don't think I really had a choice anyway, so that I could put up all my cute little hearts for everyone to see. And so as you can tell, that experience is still very vivid in my mind. So fast forward to a few days ago, my son wanted to do a simple project with uh, paper, scissors, and tape. And so he called me to his room and he had the supplies laid out on his bed. And so he proceeded to make paper airplanes, which boys do. And what did I do? I ended up, first of all, folding up a paper like how I used to fold up notes to my friends, you know, when email didn't exist and we wrote notes to each other. And so I folded up the note and then also I ended up cutting those same hearts that I did back in seventh grade, minus the calligraphy, of course. And so I'm <laughs> I'm sharing the image I, I took. I thought it would be kind of funny to share the image with you guys. So I took a picture of it and it's on the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 037. And so comparing these two experiences reminded me of a few things as follows. Number one, how vivid some memories can be where you can still physically feel how it was at that time as if you were experiencing that memory again. Number two, how easy it is to get stuck in a creative rut. And number three, to avoid getting stuck in these creative ruts, the importance of taking in different experiences to ignite new creativity. So I think it's time for some new experiences. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. Now, where do I even start with this impressive guest that I'm going to introduce next? Trisha Gomez is the former director of Hype Studios Cultural Arts Center in Los Angeles County, and she's also president of Dance in a Box Publishing. She is considered a pioneer in the preschool and elementary hip-hop field, and she has done so much as in, and is also developing another program that I'm excited to share. Actually, I'm going to have her share with you today. She's been on the Dr. Phil show. She's been head judge of the TV show Dance Revolution, and her philosophy on teaching kids hip-hop has made her the subject of countless articles in dance and fitness magazines all across the country and across Canada. Um, Some of her credits, which are numerous, include Dancing for the L.A. Laker Girls, 
Universal Dance Association, Disneyland, Universal Studios, Knott's Berry Farm. She's choreographed for Saved by the Bell, the Laker Girls, the Clippers Spirit Dance Team. And she also works right now as a consultant for Disney Performing Arts. And I really am excited about her telling her journey as a dancer, choreographer, teacher, entrepreneur. So without further ado, I'm so excited to bring Trisha Gomez-Luzio. How are you, Trisha? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so thrilled to have you. You know, I was just, oh gosh, I can't even describe when I was reading your bio on your site about what you've had to overcome and the things that you've done, you know, in your dance career and then parlaying that into your entrepreneurial pursuits. I'm really excited to get into the questions and just have you just tell us about all the stuff that you're doing. Take us through your dance journey and how you developed Dance in a Box. Gosh, wow. Um, Well, it's been a long one. (laughs) I turned 40 (laughs) this week, so I've been dancing since I was two. And, um, you know, dance to me is something that I didn't choose to do. Dance to me is something that I had to do. It was so part of me from when I was a kid that there just, in my mind, wasn't a choice of what I was going to end up doing. I actually went to school to be a chemical engineer. Uh, that didn't work oh, out. Wow. I dropped out <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and moved to Los Angeles to become a professional dancer. So I flew out here, auditioned for Laker Girls and made it, which was mind blowing to me. And so I moved here with a group of people that I was friends with right away who just accepted me and brought me into the community and kind of taught me the tricks. And I did performing for a while. I kind of made my rounds around everything that you could possibly do in LA. And at one point I got injured. I dislocated my neck doing a show in Singapore for Disney. And uh, that was the end of my performing career. And uh, so I went back to my roots and started teaching again. And I started off through a parks and recreation for a couple of local communities. And after a couple of years doing that, I had about 300 students and decided to just open my own place. And that's where Hype Studios came into play. So that was a huge undertaking for me. Um, But one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. I mean, at one point, I think we had 50 teachers on staff. And um, it was just an amazing place. You know, it brought together so many people. And I learned so much more than what I could have learned going to college. Or I should say finishing college. But um, it showed me that there was more to um, more to life than just performing. Because at that point, I was a performer, you know, it was all about my ego and it was performing. So I jumped into teaching just with my whole heart. And that took me about, that was about seven years of my life as teaching. Um, and gosh, probably about two years into owning the studio, I got diagnosed with lupus. And uh, I was teaching about 21 classes a week at that point and had to figure out a way to, to scale back. Cause I just couldn't do everything. I was teaching all the classes. I was doing all the desk work. I was, you know, doing the business work, everything. So I had to figure out what to do. And um, I started looking for teachers. And at that point, nobody was teaching hip hop to kids under eight. And I just kept saying, I wish I had something that I can hand to someone and say, here, teach this. Because what I was doing was successful. It was, very specific and it was, you know, working great with little kids. So a friend of mine, Felicia said, Hey, why don't you make flashcards with the dance steps on it? And I thought, you know what? I'm going to make dance. I'm going to make dance flashcards. Yeah, let's do that. So I started kind of 
talking about it around, you know, to a couple of people and lo and behold, you know, I, we, we were actually next door to a recording studio. So they said that they would shoot the video and edit the music. And uh, one of my, my parents was a photographer. Another one was a graphic artist. So she said she would, uh, you know, do all the typesetting for me. And I was like, okay, I talked to my husband and I said, I have this idea. What do you think? And he's like, how much is it going to cost? <laughs> I, said, I, said, I have no idea, but let's just try it. So we started the process. I had no idea what I was doing, but um, we learned along the way. You know, it was definitely a team effort. We pulled together and, and we created this kit called Hip Hop in a Box. And um, I remember I took it out to my first conference, a teacher's conference, and people were looking at me going, oh, you know, well, hip hop's a fad. It's going to going to be gone after a couple years and you know we don't really want to invest that much into hip-hop so but there were a few like early adopters who thought hey this is great let me try it but I kept at it and the next year I went back to the same conference and those people came back and they started talking to other people and giving their actual experience of how well it was working in their studio and then all of a sudden you'd have people coming up to my booth saying so what is this someone was talking about it and they said I needed to look into it and then I got onto the teaching circuit and the conferences. So I was really able to demonstrate how it was used in the ways, you know, how it could benefit the students and the studio. And then all of a sudden something switched. And I thank God for So You Think You Can Dance because it really proved that hip hop, if you're going to be a big player in the professional dance world, you have to know hip hop along with everything else. So I think that's when studios started taking hip hop a little bit more seriously and then they started kind of looking at, well, wait a minute, what do, what do we do? How do we teach hip hop? Especially how do we teach hip hop to little kids? And then all of a sudden, everybody wanted hip hop in a box. And it grew into something far beyond what I ever could have imagined it to be. I mean, we initially purchased 2000 units and we blew past that and we've had to reorder since then. And, you know, it, it's developed into an additional product called one, two, three dance. And then came the syllabus. So now we have a full structured program for three to five and five to seven year olds. Uh, it's very technical, but it's flexible and um, it's working to me. It's just like, wow, <laughs> how can I go from here to here? And it's really making a difference in other dance studios lives. And to me, that was, you know, I just thought, I could use this product myself. I didn't really think on the grand scale of a bunch of other people could use it. And now it's just, you know, I think it's been about nine years since hip hop in a box came out to hear the stories of the studios who've put it in place and how it's helped them not just, you know, structure their classes, but it's added all this new revenue to the studios. It's just, I, I'm so thrilled and blessed and it, it's become so much more than I ever could have imagined it to be. So that's kind of the long story of how I came from my journey to hip hop in a box. But, you know, you, you realize that everything you've done for those past 20, you know, the 20 years before I created hip hop in a box was for the purpose of hip hop in a box. I had to go through those things so that I could create this. And I think I was just crazy enough to create it to actually do it, you know? Well, I think you brought up something really important when you said that you didn't know what you were doing, but then you figured things out as you went along. And I think as an entrepreneur, you have to have that, 
you're of course you're not going to know everything and then also putting that team into place you didn't just do it all by yourself you had people help you and then you just kept going and i think just the being tenacious and following your visions and just learning as you go along, I think is huge. I think we, a lot of people get stuck on, well, I need to know this before I can do this, or I need to have this perfect before I can proceed. And so I think just you doing that and going through that, and like you said, the 20 years before that, preparing you for this moment, um, I think is part of the reason why you've had the success that you've had. So it's, it's really exciting. I, 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 when I was reading your bio, I thought, oh my goodness, she overcame, again, she overcame the stuff. She did all these things and she still made it, she made dance work in a way that maybe other people would have never thought of, you know, just pioneering a different way and, and, and seeing the benefits and like you said, the blessings that other people have experienced because you were persistent. So it's awesome, Trisha. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank you. I think, I think it's Steve Jobs who says, uh, you don't have to be an expert to start, but you do have to start to be an expert. Oh, I like that. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, and if it, for people who want to be entrepreneurs, I think what sets people who are entrepreneurs apart from people who want to be entrepreneurs is the action, you know, that, that fearless action of, I may not do it right the first time, but I'm going to learn my lessons and I'm going to try it again. And while well, that worked, okay, let's do this. You know, let's kind of do that, but maybe change it a little bit. You know, it's, it's a learning process. The whole thing is, is from start to finish, not easy at all, but you do what you got to do because if you don't, then you're not going to get what you want to get. So that's kind of been my philosophy of just, just go for it. Just do it. Why not? Why, Why not? not? That's right. Yeah. That, yeah. I love that. Um, you know, when we first talked, um, you had said something and I wish I had written it down, but so maybe you could clarify. You said something about dance and performing was to feed your ego. And you mentioned that a little uh, bit yeah. earlier um, for yourself and that teaching was for, I forgot what you said about that, but of yeah. course it was good. And that, that your new program that you're developing is for your soul. I thought that was just so beautiful. Can you tell us yeah. more about that and, you know, where you're at with um, developing that new program and the process that you're yeah. going through? So, so performing was for my ego. Absolutely. I loved being on stage. Every moment of it, I just ate it up. Teaching was for my heart and is for my heart. I still teach. And it's something I love, love, love to do in in a different way than performing. But over the past two years, I've been developing a program called Rhythm Works Integrative Dance. And I've come to realize that that is for my soul. Like that's, I feel like that's my purpose. That's why I'm here. I had an extremely tragic situation happen to me about four years ago um, where I got pregnant and lost my son halfway through the pregnancy and almost died myself. And I realized I could have died, but I didn't. And there was a purpose. Why am I here? And so, you know that, you know how when people say, um, hey, you should meet my friend. I think you guys would hit it off. Or do you want to come to this party with me? Or have you seen this movie? Or have you read this book? Or, you know, have you heard about this class? And, but we never meet the friend. We never go to the party. We don't read the book. We don't see the movie. We don't take the class. And so when I started this journey, I knew that I was going in with an intention to do something. Um, initially, it was for kids with autism, and but I wanted it to be on a global scale. I, I wanted it, you know, not to benefit just my community, but I wanted to be able to affect globally 
the dance world for kids who had autism and then what ended up becoming for, you know, it's also for Down syndrome and sensory processing disorders and just all sorts of learning differences. But through that process, I decided just to kind of surrender and say, okay, use me as a vessel and whatever comes, like if someone says you should meet this person, I'm going to go meet that person. If someone says you should read this book or take this class or whatever it is, I'm going to do it no matter how much it is, you know, how much it's going to cost me or how much I don't want to do it. I'm still going to do it because you never know who you're going to meet. You never know what you're going to learn and where that's going to lead you. And I kind of started off the process with an intention, but not, not a um, tangible goal. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I knew I would, I knew what I wanted to feel like, but I didn't know what it was going to look like. And so I just followed (laughs) followed the signs, the arrows. It led me to the most amazing group of people um, that have become my advisors on this product. Um, I have world-renowned researcher in sensory processing and sensory integration. I have occupational therapists and physical therapists, a special ed doctor, a mom with a child with autism. So many different people who, out of the goodness of their heart, said, I believe in this project and I want to be a part of it. And so they helped me to really develop what the program was going to be. It utilizes hip hop in a box and one, two, three dance and the whole hip hop made easy program. That's in about, I don't know, we're about 2,100 schools right now, but we modified it for clinical purpose. So what we did was we, we looked at goals that therapists work on with these kids. So, you know, maybe a child is learning how to ride a bike or uh, they're learning, they're practicing handwriting and they're, you know, reading from a chalkboard and copying onto a paper and being able to follow along that way. So we looked at the collection of 150 dance steps that are part of hip hop in a box and one, two, three dance. And we looked at how can these steps help the things you're working on in therapy sessions. And it developed into this tool that not just dance teachers could use, but occupational therapists could use and physical therapists could use. And, you know, speech therapists, we're having, you know, speech therapists use it now and behavioral therapists. And it's, it's just blown into this huge project that, um, that's really starting to make a difference in these kids. I mean, I see the kids that are in our program right now and the amount of progress they make from week to week just blows my mind. And then the stories you hear from the families about how, you know, what they did in class, they were able to generalize and use in another situation, which helped them to avoid a meltdown. And, you know, the kids are starting to connect with each other. And it's, it's really cool just to kind of sit back and go, this is working. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's doing some good for these kids. And now we're at a point where we're ready to um, roll it out internationally and uh, start start making that global difference that I set out to do. So, you know, for me, it's absolutely become a soulful purpose that I feel like, you know, it. I don't, I don't feel like I own it. I feel like it came through me to get out to other people. You know, I, I don't even, I, I can't even ask for anything more than that because it's just, it, it touches my soul. I think it is amazing that you're doing this and, you know, having um, relatives with Down syndrome and autism, I have a son. And so just even to 
imagine, first of all, what you went through four years ago. I see this as a great alternative and not that I'm prescribing or I'm a doctor or health professional, but I think this is such a great way to to um, introduce an alternative to medication for some of these kids. Yeah. I, um, you know, I think there there's definitely, you know, you have people that are credible that are helping you with this. And I just, I see so much potential with this. So um, I'm excited to see how this develops. I, I, it's just, it's awesome. And, and also I was thinking too, like, for the longest time for me, I always thought that, okay, the only way really to to make, to quote unquote, make it in dance is to be a commercial dancer or to be in a company and just to be, just perform and teach and choreograph. But you're a great example that there is so much more with dance that you can do that does not have to be those things. Of course, yeah, those things are great. And I love all those things for sure. But to you know, see a real life example and see what's developed and what's possible with dance. I mean, thank you so much. I'm so thankful that we're having this conversation, Trisha. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I've studied a lot of uh, sensory processing and um, you really get the full grasp of how beneficial dance is, not just for your, you know, your health, but your mind as well and your emotions. I mean, I, I, loved teaching my adult hip hop class because it was a therapy session for everybody there. I mean, I'm sure you know when you go to class and same thing for me when I take class, you know, you 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 dance out those emotions and you walk out, you go, yes, you know, it felt so good. Yes, so for sure. Yeah, it's, it's a mind, body, soul activity for sure. And yes, for anyone who's out there who's, you know, wanting to be a professional dancer, but it's just not working out, you know, don't give up. There's so many different things out there that you can do with dance. I mean, senior citizen stroke victims, you know, that's kind of my next focus too, is, is working in that genre as well, but it's so been so beneficial. Oh, it's awesome. I, I'm loving this. Um, for a dancer that wants to be an entrepreneur, what would you advise them to do? Just do it. Educate yourself. Number one, you know, number one, set, set your mind to it and say, no matter what, I'm gonna figure it out. And number two, kind of, you know, I used to tell this to my kids, my students, work backwards. And if you want to be a professional dancer, what do you need to be a professional dancer? Well, you need to have an agent. Okay, how do you get an agent? Well, you have to go to audition. Okay, what do I need to do to audition? What do I need to know? Okay, let me take classes so that I can know how to do these things. But in order to do those things, what do I need to do first? So you kind of work backwards a little bit. And sometimes you don't know what you need to do. Ask questions, ask people. There's so many people out there who are willing to help because people helped them and it's their way to pay it forward. So I played, and not that I play dumb because I sometimes I feel dumb. <laughs> I don't know the questions, you know, I'm just like, I don't know, this may be a dumb question, but what does this word mean? You know, and people will help you out or, you know, that's what I found. The biggest thing is to number one, don't pretend like you know everything be vulnerable and ask the questions so that you can learn from other people and just take the steps. You know, so many people want a quick fix. You know, they, they have this idea, let's do it. I'm going to make a ton of money, but then they start to do it. And then they realize, wait a minute, this is a lot of work, you know? And I, I see that a lot with teachers who want to put out a, a curriculum, who want to sell a curriculum. And, you know, they ask me, how did you do it? And I said, well, I walked around with a notebook for four years and anytime I would teach a class, I wrote down what I did in class. I wrote down what worked, what didn't. If I tried something new or had a revelation in the class, I just had a giant notebook with sentences everywhere. 
none of it made sense in order. It was just a bunch of sentences. So in essence, I just data dumped for four years. And then I said, okay, it's time to write the book. And for six months straight, full-time job, I took those sentences and I put them into categories and then I arranged them into an order. And then I wrote paragraphs and put the paragraphs into order. And it was a long process. You know, it took me four and a half years to write a syllabus, but I stuck with it, you know, and I didn't give up. And I think that's, that's the key is that, that grit that you're going to have people who were going to say, what are you doing? You're crazy. Or are you sure you want to do that? You know, but if, if you know what you want to do, then figure it out. Do, do the homework, do your research, ask the questions, step by step by step by step, how, however long it takes you. And no, I mean, and this is something I've learned with this program, with, with RhythmWorks Integrative Dance, is that, and I, I kind of said this earlier too, but even more so with this program is that every experience, challenge, jubilation, success, failure, people that I've met, everything has played a part in RhythmWorks Integrative Dance. You know, it, the things that didn't work out years ago led me to something that did work for what I need now, you know? So you don't have to be in a rush to do everything. Take the journey as the journey unfolds and take your lessons as you go through that journey, because that's going to bring you to the place you need to be for the things you need to do at any given moment. That was very beautifully said. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. We're going to do the dancepreneuring quick steps. So that's three questions and you have to quickly say <laughs> the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. First one, okay. dance style you haven't tried, but would like to. Tango. Ooh, tango. Yeah, that's a good I, one. I've never done tango, but I have an entire routine in my head that it's to um, Moulin Rouge, the rock, the Roxanne Ooh. version of Moulin Rouge. And it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I choreographed it in my head and I've always wanted to do it, but I've never actually done tango. So at one point in my life, when I'm not working 182 hours a week, I will go to tango <laughs> class. <laughs> Fa- favorite dancer and why? What was that? I'm sorry. Favorite dancer and why? Mm-hmm. This is a hard one. This is very hard because there's so many different dancers for a hundred different reasons. Um, I think the bottom line is that when, and this I think is what all the all my role models have in common is that they all dance from every cell of their body when they're, whether they're on stage or whether they're in class or whether they're in the grocery store, whatever, wherever it is that they're dancing, it's with every bit of their body. And it, there's an attraction there. You know, I, 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 when I, I also teach at Disney, um, as a, as a, um, teaching artists there. And one of the things we talk about is the difference between um, believing and pretending. And that, um, and this is the best answer I ever got. It was from an eight-year-old. She said, um, pretending is on the outside and believing is on the inside. And I thought, that's good. eight years old, right? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I thought, that's the key. When you believe something inside of you, no matter if it's you're playing a cancer victim or um, you know, an angry doctor or whatever it is, when you believe that every part of your inside, we believe it. 
And it makes it, it attracts us to it and it makes us become part of that story. And any dancer who can accomplish that, they're on my favorite list. So, Ooh, yes. I don't have one, I have a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but those qualities I think that you brought out are really important because I've talked about this a lot with, uh, with other dancers and choreographers that, yeah, it's nice when someone can put their leg up to their ear or do, mm-hmm. you know, 10 million pirouettes, you know, and stay on releve when they're done. But there's just something about a dancer that just dances from the inside out and it's just, it's magical, you know? So, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I totally hear you on that. The dance style that describes your day currently and why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, my first thought is probably crump just because it's kind of all over the place and my life is like that. It's just like what's going on, what's going on. But what what I really have to step back and say at this point in my life, praise dancing. And I'm not a religious person at all, but I have become like so soulful and so spiritual and so thankful for everything that comes into my life, whether it's great or not great, because it's it's building me of, and, and guiding me to where I need to be from my purpose. So, you know, I've just, I'm so, I'm in that like happy, thankful moment of my life right now, which I hope it stays like that because it's awesome. Oh, it is awesome. I I can totally relate to that. Now, um, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Uh, You know, um, let's see, Facebook. They can look me up at Trisha Gomez. Um, It's, uh, you'll see, uh, I have a little, it's a purple background and I'm jumping in the air. Um, I do have a Twitter, which is Dance in a Box. I, to be honest with you, I'm not on it very often. I'm not on Instagram. So Facebook is pretty much the best way. Um, you can always reach me on my website at danceinabox.com, D-A-N-C-E-I-N-A-B-O-X.com. And, um, you can always reach me through there, but I try to keep it simple and, um, you know, focus on that just because there's so many other things to focus on that I don't have time to do everything else. (laughs) Yes, yes. And with everything that you're doing, thank you so much, Trisha, for being on this podcast and sharing so openly and just giving us some great nuggets of wisdom and just, oh my gosh, just showing that dance can be developed in so many other ways than just teaching and choreographing and performing. And as your program develops and you take it internationally, I would love to have another conversation to see, you know, to to, to get, you know, to have us updated. So if you would, if you would, like to uh, update us on that, you know, in the future, that would be fantastic to have you again. Sure. Absolutely. Without a doubt. I'm there. (laughs) I hope you were inspired as much as I was with Trisha's story. And now I have a question for you. What experience can you share that has been pivotal in your life or in your business? I would love to hear about it. And you can go to AnnetteBone.com forward slash 037, where you also find the show notes to this session. And I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and give me a rating and review and also subscribe to the podcast. That way I can continue improving the podcast and also give you a shout out on a future session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Until next time, I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast 
or on iTunes. Contact Annette at AnnetteBone.com. This podcast copyright by AnnetteBone.com and Dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.